0: In this episode, we look at Shakespeare's body of work, what kinds of plays he wrote, how they've been shared with readers over the centuries, and what makes it so challenging to edit the plays for publication. We talk about these questions with Emma Smith, Professor of Shakespeare Studies at the University of Oxford. Between the start of his career in the late 1580s or early 1590s and his death in 1616, Shakespeare wrote a lot of plays, at least 38 and possibly more, depending on how you count the plays that he co-wrote with other authors. One extraordinary thing is how many of Shakespeare's plays could be considered masterpieces. Many of them have been drawing audiences almost continuously since Shakespeare's death, and today – All of them are performed regularly by Shakespearean theatre companies around the world. Another extraordinary thing is how many different kinds of plays he wrote. Shakespeare proved himself a master of each dramatic genre. One observer wrote, As Plautus and Seneca are counted the best for comedy and tragedy among the Latins, so Shakespeare among the English is the most excellent in both kinds. To get a sense of Shakespeare's whole body of work, we can think about his career in terms of these genres.
1: So I think it can be helpful to look at Shakespeare's career in two decade-long blocks. The first is perhaps from the early 1590s to, say, 1601 or something, and the second the next 10 or or so years after that. In that first block in the 1590s, Shakespeare's work is mostly... um, rewriting medieval english history and romantic comedy there are a couple of tragedies that he writes but the bulk of his work is in is in history uh, and comedy the second decade is tragedies and then at the end of that period uh, this this kind of tragic comedy uh, romantic comedy, late comedy. They've had lots of different ways of talking about it, uh, but plays like The Winter's Tale and The Tempest, which tend to combine uh, some uh, some elements of tragedy with um, a, a more resolved uh, ca- kind of ending.
0: During Shakespeare's lifetime, some of his plays were published as individual editions called quartos.
1: About half of Shakespeare's plays, 18 titles, are published as individual books those books are usually called quartos which refers to the size of them they're they're small in size like a little paperback softback like a pamphlet um and then those 18 plus another 18 which had not been published before are all printed together in the first folio in this big collected uh, edition a big library book kind of a doorstop of a of a book
0: all those plays that hadn't been published as quartos Plays that included masterpieces like Macbeth, Julius Caesar and The Tempest only became available to the world because two actors from Shakespeare's theatre company, John Hemmings and Henry Condal, decided to gather all of Shakespeare's plays together in one magisterial volume.
1: So the first... Collected, printed edition of Shakespeare's plays is a book we now call the first folio. In fact, it's called Master William Shakespeare's Comedies, Tragedies and Histories, uh, when it's printed in 1623. So 1623 is important. That's after Shakespeare's death. Shakespeare died in 1616. So we can't really assume that the organisation or the presentation of the plays in that in that book is, is really authorial. They're being presented by uh, other agents to us. What we can say is that one of the things that's important about how to uh, present this big book of 36 plays is by genre, uh, comedies, tragedies, and histories, or yeah, in fact, comedies, histories, and tragedies. Um, I think it's important uh, as a um, a marketing uh, pitch actually to show a range of different kinds of plays, to show that these this is not just all the same this is a diverse range there's something for everyone
0: The first folio and the individual quartos are the starting point for the copies of the plays we have today but they're a difficult place to start from because when plays are printed more than once the two versions are never the same
1: And uh, for the Plays which, which exist in two forms, in one of those single play versions, the quartos, and in the folio, there are always differences, variations sometimes uh, that suggest uh, adaptation for the theatre, that, that might suggest uh, a, a mistake or a misreading in the typesetting. Uh, there are lots of different reasons why they might be different. And I think the main thing, the main reason that Shakespeare's plays exist in these different forms attests to the fact that these scripts are alive, or they were alive, they were alive for performance and that they, um, they, were, they were changed by different sort of performance possibilities. They were not set out like poems or like novels where the, 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 the most important thing was what the author said. They're set out in order to enable performance, which is um, their, their first, but not their only purpose.
0: For almost half the plays, there are multiple editions of the text. Those editions vary in many small ways and also in some quite substantial ways. Hamlet's famous line, to be or not to be, that is the question, appears in the first edition of the play as to be or not to be, aye, there's the point. And the entire first edition is only about half as long as the later editions. If we want to print the play Hamlet, do we print the early edition or the later edition or some version that combines both? Do we print the word question or point? These are the kinds of challenges that editors have to deal with. So when you read a modern copy of a Shakespeare play, you're getting the end product of a long line of decisions that the editor has made. Decisions about what text to print and how to shape that text.
1: One thing that these indeterminate early texts uh, require, I guess, is for modern editors to do some work, to tidy them up, to present them to us. Uh, and that's a great service if you've got a modern edition of a, of a play, someone has gone through, they've changed and standardized the spelling, they've organized it on the page so you can tell who's speaking and uh, get some sense of what, what the action is that's being described by uh, putting in stage directions. Um, what, what that does, though, is it does interpret the plays in some, in some important ways. Stage
0: directions indicate what the actors are doing on stage. Some are straightforward, like Hamlet enters or Romeo exits, but others tend to interpret or answer a question that the play leaves open. In The Taming of the Shrew, Catherine is forced to marry Petruchio. One of the play's big questions is whether this marriage turns out to be happy. The play doesn't settle the question, but sometimes a stage direction tries to. At the very end of the play, all the characters gather and Catherine makes a speech about marriage.
1: And then Petruchio, her husband, says, why? Uh, there's a wench and then this a, a fam- famous line, perhaps for many people who don't know the play, um, come on and kiss me, Kate and there's no stage direction again now most editors will put in a stage direction then which says they kiss and that's certainly one one interpretation he says kiss me she does kiss him we still don't know what that kiss means whether it's um you know passionate or reciprocal or slightly um, coercive or you know violent. There are lots of different ways. So these are possibilities that the play leaves open, I think, because it doesn't have stage directions. And while it's really helpful for modern editors to include uh, speculations about the stagecraft, which can help us make sense of what's going on in the plays, we, we do need to sort of look beyond that sometimes and, and think, well, what, is that the only way to see this?
0: For many pivotal moments in Shakespeare like this one, there's more than one way to see it. This open-ended quality might sometimes seem frustrating, but as Emma Smith explains in our next episode on how to read Shakespeare, it can also be extraordinarily liberating.